The following broadcast is brought to you by Sons of God International and Freedom Fellowship Church. Hello, and welcome to the prophetic voice of our time, where we focus on the voice of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our host, Christina Sasso, is a senior pastor at Freedom Fellowship Church. Let's hear what she has to say to the body of Christ. Hello, thank you for tuning in. This is Joshua Sasso with Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International, and you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in, and I'm so excited that you're joining in with our message today because we get to talk about the prophetic and how the prophetic is supposed to be our guidepost. You see, the thing is, is that prophecy is the word of God in the mouth of men. And the scripture tells us, surely the Lord will do nothing without first revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. This means that prophecy is actually something that we should pay close attention to because it gives us insight to the plan of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, Peter writes, We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. See, what this means is that when you're in darkness, prophecy is like that light that's shining in the dark place that's showing you where to go. You see, prophecy should be like a guidepost for us where it's showing us where we should be focusing where we should be paying attention to, where we should be focusing our prayers, our actions, and our efforts, prophecy can be showing us the direction that we need to walk in. And then he says in verse 20, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, something that a lot of Christians get caught up in is that the way that we often pray and act is in a reactionary manner. What I mean is that maybe you watch something on the news and then you react to the news that you saw. Maybe something happens and now you react to it. Oh, I come against that. I I bring that down. That's not going to happen. This is what's going to happen, right? What's happening is that in the world, they're putting things out there in the atmosphere and now You were reacting to it. Oh, I I pull that down or I do this or that, right? That's a defensive kind of warfare. But the thing that we have to understand is when we're doing that, you're treating the news or the world as your guidepost, right? Because the world is putting information out there and now you're deciding, okay, because of what the world is doing, this is what I'm going to put my focus on. Because of what the, the wicked are doing over here, now I'm going to focus on this, right? So you're actually treating the news media and the world as your guide and your guidepost. When the reality is, is the Holy Spirit should be the one guiding us. The Holy Spirit should be the one that is directing our prayers. And a lot of even prophets, a lot of spiritual leaders, pastors, and many Christians get caught up in this. They see what the world is doing and they react to it, and then they start praying according to their own spirit, prophesying according to their own spirit, rather than looking at the will of God and having God show them what to focus on. Because many times, the prophetic and what's going on in the spiritual realm, it doesn't necessarily reflect what's going on in the natural, right? Many times, God's will and God's plan 
comes in direct contrast to what the circumstances look like, right? I want you to imagine the case of Noah. You see, Noah received a word from the Lord. Build an ark. These are the dimensions because I'm surely going to flood the entire earth with water. But we have to understand that this happened during a time when there had never been a flood. Maybe they didn't even know what rain looked like. Maybe they didn't even know what a flood looked like, right? Now, Noah could have acted according to the common wisdom of man at the time, right? Well, what even is a flood? What is that, right? I've never seen rain before. I don't know what that is. But instead, Noah used the instructions of the Lord as his guidepost. Okay, well, this is what the Lord has said he's doing, so this is where I should focus my efforts. But you see, you see how so many of us Christians, we have it backwards. The world is putting information out and we're reacting to it. So now we're using the world as our guide for where we should focus our efforts. God is supposed to be our guide, right? We get our directions directly from the Holy Spirit. And you see, something that we have to understand, okay, is that the natural or the physical realm gets overridden by the spiritual realm, right? If something is going on in the spiritual realm, the natural realm will follow. For example, in the natural realm, Jesus was in the midst of a great storm, right? The, the boat was rocking, Jesus was sleeping on the deck, and the disciples were afraid they were thinking they might sink and die. And Jesus wakes up, right, and he's irritated, well, why'd you wake me up? And what does he do? He speaks to the storm to be quiet, right? He was operating in the spiritual realm, and then the storm stopped. The natural realm had to follow the leading of the spiritual realm. This is the same reason why Jesus was able to defy the laws of nature by walking on water. The natural realm has to follow the leading of the spiritual realm. So because of that, we shouldn't be getting our direction or our focus. Our guidepost should not come from the natural realm, whether it's the news media, whether it's some advisors, whether it's the wisdom of man, even those things that we've studied. No, our guidepost should come from the spiritual realm and it should come from God, okay? And prophecy is something that God uses to communicate with his people. And so that's why in 2 Peter it tells us you would do well to pay attention to prophecy because it's like a light shining in a dark place, okay? That is one of the many ways that God can begin to reveal his plan to us. Because all the prophets of scripture, you know, past, present, and future, true prophets of God, when they prophesy, it does a number of things. It reveals things about the nature of God. It points the way to Christ. And it also points the way to God's master plan, right? And this is really important because it's not the way you imagine his plan being. It's not your own plan. No, it's God's master plan. In Isaiah chapter 7, Judah and its king Ahaz, they were in a tough spot, okay? What had happened is that one of the enemies of Judah, Aram, had allied itself with Ephraim. And they were gathering up to come and they were going to attack Jerusalem. And the scripture says that fear had gripped the heart of Ahaz and all of his soldiers and all of the people. Okay, so now you have these two armies that are coming against the one army, right? They're outnumbered. And now they're coming and they're coming to attack them. 
Now what happens is that the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Isaiah, and Isaiah says to Ahaz, he says, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. And you know, how many times has the Lord said, right, don't be fear, have faith in me, right? Even when those situations, they seem impossible, even in those situations where it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, and God says, don't fear, right? Deliverance will come. So that's what he said, keep calm, don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. That's what the Lord called these two kingdoms. They're just little stubs of firewood. And then God says through the prophet Isaiah, he said, all these kings and kingdoms, they've come with their fierce anger to plot your ruin. They've come here to invade Judah, destroy it, and then put their own king over it. But this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. And then he explains how within just a few years, one of these kingdoms is going to be a ruin because there's going to be infighting. Another one of these kingdoms is going to collapse because of these other things. Okay? Here God's saying, look, these kingdoms aren't going to be anymore, even after just a single generation. Now, in that circumstance, King Ahaz of Judah, he's afraid because these guys are coming to attack him. But you see, it's in these moments when it seems like it's dark and it's hopeless, you have to use the prophetic word as your guidepost, right? The word of the Lord has to be treated as truth, right? Let the Lord be true and every man on earth a liar, right? And then God says this, and this is something that's really amazing. And this is through the prophet Isaiah. He tells Ahaz to ask for a sign. And then he tells him what the sign is going to be. And this is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid to waste. <laughs> now, I guarantee you, Isaiah did not understand the full context of what he was saying in that moment. Because this is something that's amazing what God's able to do. Here, he is bringing deliverance to Judah in their time of need. And at the same time, he's revealing his plan, his master plan concerning Jesus being the Messiah. It's such an amazing thing because this prophetic word didn't come true until hundreds of years after Isaiah released it. And I don't know if God's ever told you to do something, right? Imagine God says, oh, go forth and do this thing. And, you know, you maybe you have that little doubt in the back of your head. Did I really hear from God? Are you sure about this, Lord? I guarantee you, Isaiah, maybe he was looking around trying to find the virgin. Who's the virgin who's going to conceive, right? It's been 10 years. It's been 20 years. Did I really hear from God? But this is something that's very important about prophecy, okay, is that prophecy always points the way to Christ. A true prophet of God does not prophesy on his own behalf. It's not the sake of building up his own reputation. It's not for the sake of establishing his ministry or proving other people wrong. No, it's always revealing something about the great plan of God. And it reveals something about the nature of God. Okay? And this is really important to understand because Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 2, you would do well to pay attention to prophecy. 
But then in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. What this means is that just because somebody says they're a prophet, just because somebody says that they have a word from the Lord, we can't take everything at face value. We have to judge it against, one, is it pointing the way back to Christ? Or are they doing it out of a self-serving agenda? Because the truth is, even in the church, there's a lot of people, right? They, they play politics. They want to position themselves in a place that's more favorable. The truth is, is that the prophet of God, sometimes he'll say something, maybe that's not popular for the time, but it will always be in alignment with the will of God. So I've given now this example of how Isaiah, here he was prophesying concerning this current circumstance that Judah was facing. They had two armies at their doorstep, and they were crying out to God, God help us, right? And maybe you look at the current state of the nation. You Maybe you're crying out to God, God help us, right? God, we need you to move in this nation. Maybe you're looking at the current state and circumstances, and you're thinking those things. And notice how, in a single prophetic word, God spoke forth the deliverance for Judah and he pointed the way towards his master plan concerning Jesus. It's the same in these days, guys. And so, because of this, when the Lord said, Ahaz, king of Judah, don't be afraid, don't fear, but stand firm in your faith, because those two nations, they will become desolate lands. Right? Trust in me, okay? So, because Ahaz got those instructions, he now knows what he needs to do. Right? Because if Ahaz judged by the current circumstances, maybe he'd be hiding away. Maybe he'd be afraid. Right? But if he uses the prophetic word as his guidepost, then he would know, well, the Lord said, don't be afraid. So I'm not going to be afraid. Right? The Lord said they're going to be defeated. So I'm going to act as if I believe they're going to be defeated. You see, the prophetic word should be our guidepost. Right? And you know, the same thing happens with Jesus, right? Because I gave this example how in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah ended up prophesying concerning the Messiah. And the truth is, there are so many prophecies that were spoken concerning Jesus before he arrived on earth, right? That he was going to come through the house of David, that he was going to be born in Bethlehem, that he was going to be born of a virgin. There was all of these prophetic words that were speaking of the coming Messiah. But this is something that's very important, which is that the spiritual leaders of the time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, they dedicated their entire life to studying the law and studying all the scriptures, right? I guarantee you, they knew all of those prophecies by heart. Yet, when Jesus was right in front of them, they didn't recognize him as the Messiah, even though he was the walking fulfillment of all those prophetic words, right? So why did they not recognize him? Could it be 
that they were too preoccupied with their own agendas, their own desires, defending their own position, right? This means they weren't actually seeking out the will of God or the plan of God, right? Because if they were treating those prophetic words as the guidepost, oh, the Messiah is going to be in this place and be in this place, they might have recognized Jesus. But instead, they were more concerned with protecting their status and their position in culture, right? So this means that you can still have a form of spirituality and religiosity, and you can still find yourself in complete opposition to the plan of God. Because that's what happened. Jesus' biggest opposers was not the Roman Empire, was not unbelievers, it was other believers. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they were the ones who put him to death, and they were his biggest detractors. So you can have a form of spirituality, but it does not mean that you're acting out the will of God. You can study the scriptures all your life, but it doesn't mean that you're acting according to the will of God. So we have to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we, we really have to examine ourselves, right? Why am I doing what am I doing? Is it because I want to build up a name for myself? Is it because I want to prove how anointed I am? Or is it because I truly desire to see the will of God manifest, right? The kingdom of God manifest, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we should all be shooting for. And prophecy is a guide towards that. You see, some of the things that the Lord has promised us is that if we, the church, would focus on his ways of doing things and focus on pursuing God, that this country would have its most righteous government that it's ever had in its history. That means more righteous than even during its founding. Now, that's an amazing thing. But let's be honest, right? That prophetic word, if we were to compare it to the natural circumstances right now, you might be thinking, this is the most wicked our government has ever been in its history. How could that possibly come to pass, Lord? Right? But in the same way, Jesus can defy nature by walking on water, turning water into wine, bringing deliverance out of impossible situations. The same can happen today. And that is an exciting thing. The Lord has also said that that wicked root that's in Washington, D.C. and spreads its vines and branches all around the world, he himself will be uprooting it. And it's not something that any one man can take credit for. No one organization can take credit for. No, it's only going to be something that God himself will be able to take credit for, right? So those are two things that we can see as our guidepost. So now if you look at the news and you're thinking, oh, well, they're so wicked, right? Oh my gosh, can you believe the wicked things that they're doing in the world and the horrible, corrupt things that the politicians are doing? Now you know that soon that wickedness will be uprooted and soon righteousness will be installed in our government. Just like when the Lord said to Ahaz, these two armies will not succeed in destroying Jerusalem and overthrowing you. He knew that, not because the present circumstances gave him evidence that that was the case. He knew it because the Lord spoke it and said it would be. And that became his guide. It should be the same for us today. Because we serve a God who can turn around any impossible situation. Even those situations that look so hopeless, he can turn them around, right? I want us to turn to 2 Kings chapter 3, and I'm going to close with this. You see, what happened was that Moab decided to rise up 
and wage war against the Israelites. And so, so three kings, the king of Israel, who was the son of Ahab, the king of Judah, who was Jehoshaphat at the time, and the king of Edom. And, and for those of you that don't know, the Edomites were the descendants of Esau. This is why they all banded together, because they were actually brothers. They were brother nations, Israel, Edom, and Judah. Now, what happened is that they were marching around for seven days, and then the army ran out of water. And they didn't have any water for themselves or for their animals. Now, the king of Israel, who was the son of Ahab, he knew how wicked his father was. And he said, the Lord has brought us out here so that we're going to starve to death. And he's going to judge us using the hand of Moab, right? Really defeatist. God's going to destroy us. But Jehoshaphat said, no, let us seek out the prophets so that we may get the word from God. And this is what I want you to understand, okay? The prophetic word. God's word is a guide for where we should go. So we should always be seeking it out, right? If you don't know what to do, review the instructions and prophecies and the word that the Lord has spoken over you. That's a good starting point. That's your light shining in a dark place. So they find Elijah. And Elijah says something very snarky. He says, you know, he sees the king of Israel and he's not pleased. And he says, surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I didn't have respect for Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you, right? He just had had it with Ahab and with his son, right? I wouldn't even give you the time of day if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat standing here. But then he said, nonetheless, this is what the Lord says. I will fill this valley with pools of water, for this is what the Lord says. You will neither see wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and your animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. So the Lord is saying, right, I'm going to bring supernatural provision, not through natural means, but I'm going to bring supernatural provision for you, and at the same time, you're going to have absolute victory over Moab. So in this time of need, he was turning it around into a time of deliverance and victory. It's the same for us today, guys. So now it says in verse 20, the next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Now the Moabites had heard that these three kings had come up to fight against them. So every man, young and old, who could bear arms was called up and stationed on the border. When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. To the Moabites across the way, the water looked red, like blood. That's blood, they said. Those kings must have fought and slaughtered each other. Now to the plunder, Moab! And what happened? The Moabites went up into the camp of Israel, with their guard down, unsuspecting and unawares, and they were completely defeated. You see, at the same time God provided provision for his people, he also confused and blinded the Moabites to where they were defenselessly walking into a trap. And it's amazing because God, right, got Moab in such a state to where they thought, Victory was so assured for them, right? I'm sure they were dancing and singing on the way. Oh yeah, free money, right? Let's go off and get the plunder. But God used that situation to bring absolute victory for his people. In the same way, 
The hearts of many political leaders and business leaders are being hardened, and they think that they are so large and so grand that they can never, ever be taken down. But the Lord knows who is really in control. But it's up to the body of Christ to obey him because the Lord will move on behalf of those people who he really delights in, who really obey him and do his will. So I encourage you now, the Lord has been telling us to follow and obey him. Let's begin doing it now. Stop focusing on what they're doing in the world. That is not your guide. The word of the Lord is your guide. The instructions God has given you, that's your guide. Focus your prayers and your efforts on those things where the Holy Spirit is leading you, not what the news and the world and the politicians are leading you. Amen. I hope you were blessed by this message. My name is Joshua Sasso, and you've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. We really hope you were blessed by today's episode. And if you were, we want to hear from you. You can call us at 210-695-1630. Or you can email us at sogmi at outlook.com. That's S-O-G-M-I at outlook.com. And we really encourage you to visit our website, sogmi.org. That is S-O-G-M-I dot org. That's where you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast and even support this podcast. We're supported by listeners just like you. So if you want to support this ministry, you can go to SOGMI.org and hit the donate button. You can also send a check to P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023. Again, that is P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023.